0: Merry Christmas! I'm so glad that you've joined us for service today and we're just celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior. I pray that you're encouraged today and that you're filled with hope, and expectation, even as we move into this next week, as we get ready for Christmas Eve and Christmas, whatever that looks like for you this week as you celebrate Christmas. I know it might be a little different to maybe years past, but I'm just praying that the presence of God would just be in your home and just surround you. And we're gonna to turn to the word in just a minute and look at some of the passages of scripture that talk about the hope and the joy and the love and the peace of God that came into the world at the birth of Jesus. But hey, before we get to that, over the last few weeks, uh, we've been asking some different questions each week, and you guys have been doing a great job of responding in the chat section. So we have another question for you today. So, so get ready to type those answers in. Uh, I, I want to highlight, though, the question from last week. So the question last week was, when do you open gifts in your home? Or what's the, the preferred time to open gifts? Is it Christmas Eve or Christmas morning or Christmas Day? Uh, or a bit of both. And the overwhelming response was this, Christmas morning or Christmas day is when you open gifts. Now, a number of you did say both. And like some, some of you, like in our home, we get to open one gift on Christmas Eve. It's usually pajamas, so we know what's coming. But we get to open one, and then the bulk of it is the rest of the day. And I don't know what it's like in your house. This isn't the question for today, but uh, just an observation. In our house, we do the one gift at a time. Uh, So each person takes turns. So gift opening can take, well, depending on how many people are in the house, can take quite a while. And we have a lot of fun with that. But here's the question for today. Uh, And it's not really a a, a pick one or the other. It's It's just more of a general question. What is your favorite Christmas tradition? What is your favorite Christmas tradition? What is the thing that you just look forward to every year as you come to Christmas? I'll tell you. Uh, The one that that has become a favorite in my home is we do Christmas Eve just as a family, just Megan, myself and our kids. Uh, More often than not, we've got a house full on Christmas Day and it gets really busy. Um, But we've just made it a tradition that on Christmas Eve, uh, we set a really nice table. We make dinner uh, and we sit and enjoy a meal together uh, on Christmas Eve. So share with us in the chat. What is your favorite Christmas tradition? Hey, we're nearing the end of 2020. It's hard to imagine that. It's hard to believe that this year has flown by. In fact, it's, it's kind of funny. It's, it's like this year has really taken a long time to get to get through. And at the same time, it feels like uh, it's just flown right by. Kind of that dichotomy of both both of those things. But this whole year... We've been focusing on this series, uh, asking the question, who is God? It's our God is series. It's been the focus of our Sunday messages. It's also been the focus of our journal reading uh, and the Lectio Divina journal. We set out all the way back in January of of really seeking to discover the nature and the character of who God is, to understand who He is, and and in so doing, to, to challenge our assumptions, to challenge the things that we just take for granted, or maybe we've picked up along the way. And the best way to do that is to go to the Word of God, to understand who He is through His Word. What does His Word tell us about who He is? And in the midst of all of that, what we do is we fortify, we strengthen our theology sometimes even having to correct our theology and bring us back into alignment with the Word of God. And such an important practice and an important thing for us to keep doing. But it's been an incredible journey this year. I've heard incredible stories and uh, and great testimonies of the transforming power of the Word of God. And we know that God's Word can and does transform not just our lives, but our thinking and our and our posture before the Lord. And so as we come to this Sunday, this Sunday as we celebrate Christmas, as we look at the birth of our Savior, this is perhaps one of the places where we encounter uh, one of the most significant examples of who God is. One of the the most outstanding, one of the most tangible, if not the most tangible uh, expression of who God is. And I want to invite you, in fact, before we move on, next Sunday is the last Sunday of 2020. And I'm going to close up. I'm going to wrap up our God is series. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that service. Uh, We're going to kind of take a snapshot look at this year and some of the things we've learned about who God is and then set our sights on the next year. But here at Christmas, at the incarnation, God becomes one of us, that God is born into the world, Emmanuel, that Jesus is born into this world and he takes on flesh. That's that's what Emmanuel means, that God is with us. And at the incarnation, we see something that sets Christianity and our faith in God apart from every other faith system or belief system in the world. And it's this. That in Christianity, we see God coming to his creation. That Jesus being born in Bethlehem 2000, over 2,000 years ago is, is this expression of God's love for us. It's an expression of how he feels about us, how he wants to engage with us. And, and he does it in a way that, that is not resembled by any other faith. And we understand that there is one true God. There is one true Lord, and all of the other faiths are counterfeit. But even within that, as, as other faiths and other belief systems would purport to say, that, you know, we, we have the way, you never find a deity, you never find a God uh, that, that engages with humanity the way that our Heavenly Father does. And Jesus, being born in Bethlehem, is the greatest example of that. He is present with his creation, that God comes to us and he is present with his creation. He comes to save his creation, to be with us. God comes near and he does it in an unexpected way. He did it in a way that no one thought that it would happen. And all happened on a silent night these last few weeks we've been talking about some different christmas carols and a little bit about the history of where they're where they came from and uh we're going to talk about silent night tonight uh today rather silent night was written in 1816 by joseph moore the music was composed by franz gruber in 1818 and it was first performed on christmas eve in 1818 in austria Silent Night is uh, all of the Christmas carols that we've been talking about. It is the number 1 Christmas carol in the world. It has been translated into over 140 languages and it is the most recorded of of all of the Christmas carols. In fact, the version uh, sung by Bing Crosby is the third best-selling single of all time, not just of Christmas music, but of all music, and it is Wildly, wildly popular. But it talks about this silent night, this holy night, this night, as the lyrics say, when all was calm, all was bright. And here is Mary, this Virgin Mother, with her child, Jesus, being born into the into the world. The song talks about the angels declaring and singing, Hallelujah. Christ the Savior is born. Silent Night, the third stanza of the the carol, listen to these words, Silent Night, Holy Night. Son of God, loves pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. It's appropriate that this song would be the most popular Christmas carol of all time. Because it makes a declaration of the birth of Jesus. That Jesus came into the world on this silent night. On this night that really could have been like any other night. Yet in this moment, in this place, in Bethlehem, Jesus is born into the world. It's a great reminder that Jesus was not born into opulence. He was not born in a palace. He was not born to royalty. His arrival wasn't extravagant. The place and the way that he was born could not have been more humble. The announcement, even by the angels of his birth, and I imagine it must have been an incredible spectacle to behold, and probably not so silent, but it was really directed to a, a specific audience that the, the angels didn't come to kings and to rulers They didn't go to the most influential people in the land. In fact, by God's design, the angels go and they make the declaration of the birth of Jesus to a group of shepherds watching their flocks. The shepherds were some of the most lowly people in the culture. They were the ones who who stayed out uh, with the sheep. They were out out in, in, in the hill country. They weren't in the community as much. And because of their proximity of the sheep with the sheep, they probably didn't smell real good. They they were not so much outcast, but they were on the fringe of the culture. And here it is that the angels on the night that Jesus is born, the, the angels make this declaration to the shepherds. And we see some of the heart of God in that, that he would come near, that he would want to engage with his, uh, with his creation, with humanity, so Jesus comes near. He's humble. That that he is relatable. These are all things that through the story of Christmas that we see through the birth of Jesus that we recognize even here that we can discern and we can understand something about God's nature and character through the way that Jesus was born into the world. That God is near to us. That God uh, serves with humility. That God can that we can relate to Jesus that that there's something relatable about who God is, uh, really going back to the Garden of Eden, the fact that we are made in the image of God, that we're supposed to have fellowship and communion with God. And even this relatable idea is expressed by Isaiah and then later by the writer of Hebrews, that, that, that Isaiah said that, that Jesus, that the Messiah, that the Savior, would be one who is familiar with pain and suffering. And that he would be one who would be able to empathize with our weakness. See, if Jesus was born as that conquering king, we could not re- relate to that. We couldn't. We can uh, relate to a, a, a an otherworldly figure who emerges into this world and conquers all. I think about like even the Avengers movies that have recently been so popular right? And you have these, these figures coming in from outer space and other planets, and they have all of these gifts and all of these abilities. And, and, and people can't relate to that people, right? They, they're, they're, they're something completely different. Yet here we have the God of the universe, the one who spoke all of creation into being, being born in a way, in a manner that makes him relatable, that makes him accessible to us. It speaks about God's love for us and his desire for us to be connected to him. He empathizes with our weaknesses and that he was familiar with pain and suffering, which I think is so important even in this year, as we draw to the close of 2020, that we remember that pain and suffering were something that were a part of Jesus's life, even from his birth. See, uh, Joseph and Mary, rather, their lives were disrupted. We we definitely talk about the birth of Jesus and the Christmas story and it's it's kind of the warm fuzzies, if you will. You just, you know, we we remember it, we read this story, and it's just wonderful, and we celebrate this time of the year. But the reality for Joseph and Mary was very different. That everything about this story was not cute that it was difficult, that that their lives were significantly disrupted, and not just because of the birth of Jesus, but because of everything that was going on, even in the Roman Empire. And we see that in the census, the fact that they had to travel to Bethlehem to be counted. This was a tactic by the Roman rulership, by the the, 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 the authority that was in place at that time, the occupying force in Israel to remind people that they were in control. It was a means and a mechanism of controlling the people. And so Joseph and Mary, here they are in the midst of an unexpected and unusual pregnancy. Joseph, of course, finding out that Mary is pregnant... Not in, 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 in knowing that he and her uh, had not had sexual relations. So, so his thoughts are to divorce her. And then the angel Gabriel comes and tells him what's going on. And But I imagine there was a perception even in the community that was difficult for them. That they had to face maybe the whispers and the gossip and the wondering about what, what had happened. Why without being married was Mary pregnant. It was difficult, their lives were disrupted. Here they are after nine months of being pregnant, now to find out that they had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which was not an easy journey. It's not terribly far, probably about 75 miles. But in those days, of course, there was no highways and buses. Uh, Even this picture of Mary riding on a donkey was, was probably not accurate. They probably didn't have enough money for that, she probably had to walk a good portion of the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But here she is, nine months pregnant, having to travel because the Roman government has told them that they have to go back to the city of their birth, at least for for the husband to be counted. They arrive in Bethlehem. And we know the story. Jesus is is about to arrive. Mary is nine months pregnant. They find that the, the city is full full of people. There's no place to stay. There's no room at the inn. And so they find this cave, what is so often depicted as a little wood shack or a little barn that stable was really a series of caves in the valley right below where Bethlehem is, where the shepherds uh, would have kept their flocks. And so these man-made features where Uh, They would have set up an enclosure where the animals could have stayed. And so here's Joseph and Mary. She's pregnant. They're tired from traveling. There's no place to stay. So they're staying literally in a hole in the side of the mountain. And it's in this place, surrounded by animals, that Mary gives birth to Jesus. Jesus could not have come in a more humble way. He really couldn't have. In that time, in that context, this is about as lowly and humble as you could get. And I imagine for Joseph and Mary, they were probably filled with doubt and fear about what the future held. What did this mean for them? What was what was coming up? And I'm sure there was a sense of awe and wonder. And we'll read even about that in a second here. But I'm sure as well that there would have been doubts. There would have been concerns Joseph wanting to take care of his young wife, making sure that this baby that was going to be born would be nurtured and cared for. In fact, w- w- if you have an angel come, it, come to you in the night and tell you, you're going to be the father that, that you're, you rather your, your wife is going to give birth to the, the savior savior of the world and that you're going to have this responsibility. I can't even fathom what Joseph must've been feeling the burden that he felt on his shoulders. And even following the birth of Jesus, we know this, that Herod was threatened by his birth. And so he decrees that all of the children, all of the baby boys under two years old, that they would be killed. And there's this incredible genocide of of young, young male babies in the land, so much so that Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus have to flee to the land of Egypt to get away. to to spare his life. See, the Christmas story isn't polished. It isn't pretty. And we definitely celebrate and we celebrate what we know the outcome to be of the whole Christmas story. But in the midst of the story, it was messy. It was scary. It was unknown. There was violence. And in the midst of a broken, disrupted world, Jesus is born. And God makes this incredible statement about the love and the joy and the hope and the peace that comes by way of the birth of Jesus that he wants to bring into the world. See, sometimes amazing things come from the unexpected. Amazing things emerge from unexpected, difficult, and the confusing parts of our lives. Maybe this year you felt that way. You're just trying to keep your head above water. You're just trying to understand what in the world is going on. And there's been one thing after another, after another, that just seems to suck the wind out of your sails, that, that seems to want to steal your joy or bring fear into your heart. And I want to tell you today that the Christmas story speaks to all of that. And I know that for so many, coming into Christmas is not easy, that Christmas doesn't always just bring up the warm warm fuzzies, that it's not always an easy time of the year. But know this, that the Christmas story speaks to the most broken parts of who we are, the places where we struggle, the places in our lives where where things don't go the way we expect them to go. And God says, that's where I specialize. That's where I speak. That's where I'm able to to move. I want to go back to Luke chapter one, and this will actually be in our journal reading this next week. So I jumped ahead a little bit, but in Luke chapter one, we find the encounter of Gabriel with Mary. And I want to read these words and, and then we're going to unpack a couple of things. So in Luke chapter one, verse 26, starting in verse 26, it says this in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel. Into, uh, to Nazareth, to, to a town in Gal- I'm sorry, a, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, "Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you." How will this be? Uh, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and uh, upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with god i am the lord's servant mary answered may it be done to me may may it be to me as you have said then the angel left her nothing is impossible for god i love that nothing is impossible with god Another translation says it this way: No word from God will ever fail; that God will do what He says He will do. My first point today is this: is that Jesus is our hope. In the midst of this "God is" series, we're going to focus on the person of Jesus today. Jesus is our hope; He is your hope, and He is my hope. The angel Gabriel here at the end of this account references Elizabeth, who is a relative of Mary's. And what we know about Elizabeth is that she was, she was older. She was beyond the age of being able to have children. And she had not had any children of her own. And the angel of the Lord had come to her and told her that she would have a baby, that she would, she would become pregnant and, and, And Gabriel references Elizabeth in talking to Mary to remind her that nothing is too difficult and nothing is impossible with the Lord, that he can do anything, that he can move mountains, that he, he can do the unthinkable, he can move beyond what we can ever dream or hope or imagine. And so in the midst of this, this infusion of hope for Mary, and of course, for Elizabeth, see, I'm, I'm sure she was at a place. Elizabeth would have been at a place where she had given up hope that this is never going to happen. And she had resigned herself to that reality. But here's the thing. When God moves in our lives, when Jesus is present in our lives, he brings hope beyond what makes sense, beyond what makes sense in the tangible, in the physical, the fact that someone who physically, scientifically shouldn't be able to have children, yet God steps in as he did with Sarah in the Old Testament and says, you will have a child. Of course, even that picture of Sarah pointing towards the miracle that would be John the Baptist and even the birth of Jesus. Romans fifteen thirteen, the apostle Paul says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is an incredible theme in this thread that we see that Jesus is sent by the Father, but the work of the Holy Spirit is present in the life of Mary, that she will be pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that the power of God will overshadow her. Elizabeth is pregnant because of the work of the Holy Spirit, in her life and that the holy spirit brings this this hope and this this joy and this peace here's what we know is that hope is something that we cling to when the circumstances around us don't make sense that hope defies explanation See, God's presence brings hope into all of life's life circumstances, no matter what you're facing right now, that, that because of the birth of Jesus, that you can have hope, that you can cling to the certainty of who God is in the midst of a changing world and say, God, I can put my hope in you. It's a hope that sustains, a hope even when things seem to be falling apart. God says you can hope in the midst of impossibilities that you can you can hope. And as Paul says that when we're filled with hope that one of the things that overflows out of our lives is then joy and peace. We're going to talk about, a little bit more about Elizabeth. Her part of the story is so so important. So joy and peace. Paul talks about Hope that the God of hope would fill us with all joy and all peace. Well, those are two things that we talk a lot about at Christmas. And so my second point is this, that Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our joy. I imagine that in that cave, leading up to those moments when Mary goes into labor, that, that Joseph and Mary are freaked out, no idea. Young couple, circumstances Way less than ideal. Scary. Yet in that moment after Jesus was born, I am confident of this in that moment that Mary and Joseph would have been filled with a joy that they have never experienced before. See, there's something about a baby being born. I was on a Zoom call the other day, which so many of us spend so much time on a Zoom call. I was for, for work. I was on a Zoom call. And one of the people on the Zoom call, uh, their baby, of course, they were at home and their baby woke up just a few months old. And, uh, and so he went and picked up the baby and, and, and then came back onto the call. And I got to tell you, everything stopped. All productivity stopped in that moment because all eyes were focused on that little baby and he was just super cute and cooing and eyeing and everyone was just focused there's something about a baby about a new life coming into this world that is so awe-inspiring and so joy filled i remember having the opportunity to be at the birth of all four of my children and each mo- each one of them and each each of those moments was just an absolutely uh, an absolute delight and absolutely overwhelming. In fact, I never got to a point where, you know, after our, our first baby was born um, that, that I thought, you know, I've, I've already seen I've already seen one being born. I don't need to see the rest that every single one at the birth of each one of my children. That there was a joy that filled my heart and for and for megan as well that in that moment, as we held that little life, that little baby for the very first time, that we were just i i i didn't know I could feel that way and G, in, in, in Jesus, as he's born into the world, Joseph and Mary I'm sure would have been filled with joy that all of the other issues and the problems and the future and all of those circumstances in that moment would have melted away as the joy of holding this baby overwhelmed them and flooded them. Verses 39 through 45 talks about uh, Elizabeth and Mary and their relationship. We're going to start reading in verse uh, 39 here. It says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. And when she entered Zechariah's home, Zechariah being Elizabeth's husband, uh, she greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, listen to this: the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would uh, that the Lord would fulfill her, His promises to her. This incredible encounter. If you've not read it before, go and read Luke one and two. It's an amazing story. Here Mary hears about her cousin being uh being pregnant because angel Gabriel the angel Gabriel had just told her your your relative Elizabeth is pregnant. So Mary goes and finds her and 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 Elizabeth here is the one who's pregnant with John the Baptist that she has conceived miraculously uh and and that she and miraculously and that she wasn't able she was past the age where she should be able to have a child yet yeah, her and her husband were able to have a baby. So here she is miraculously pregnant with John the Baptist, the one who would herald, the one who would declare the coming of the Savior and, and Mary pregnant with Jesus, the Savior. And in this moment, there's just fireworks. There's There's this This excitement, this exuberance, Elizabeth is overjoyed to see Mary and is humbled because she knows what's going on. And, and, And Mary is excited to see Elizabeth. But more than that, as Mary greets Elizabeth, she says, Elizabeth says that the baby inside my womb leapt with joy. See, here's Jesus, not even born. I think we think about the, the, the coming of Jesus into the world in Bethlehem when he was born. But even when Jesus was in the womb, we see this encounter between these two moms. And here is John the Baptist in the womb, Jesus in the womb. And Mary's words, when, she, when, when Elizabeth hears them, the baby inside of her womb leaps with joy. And I love the result. She didn't even ask for it. But the result is that Elizabeth is filled with the power of of the Holy Spirit. You gotta, you gotta see this. When Jesus comes into the world, the presence of Jesus in the world transforms us. And it transforms us with, with joy. That there is a joy that comes into the world because of who Jesus is. Such an incredible picture. Later on, Jesus would say this to his disciples in John 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Listen to this. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This picture of God's love for us. The love that the father has for the son, the son has for the father, and then the father and the son together have for us. And Jesus says to his disciples, I've told these things so that you would be filled with joy. See, joy is separate from and apart from the circumstances of our lives. Joy is the the result of knowing that God is with us, that God loves us, that Jesus is present in our lives and his joy is fills us, but that is only possible because he was born into this world. So Jesus is our joy, but he is also our peace. Jesus is our peace. And going back to Mary's encounter with Gabriel, it says this in verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary you have found favor with God greatly troubled Mary was greatly troubled I think about those words those two words really can sum up 2020 can't they greatly troubled this year has been greatly troubled our lives have been greatly troubled the world around us, our health, our economy, all of these things, there's just been a great amount of trouble and that we could allow ourselves to be greatly troubled by what's going on in the world. But I love what Gabriel says to Mary, and I believe what the Lord would want to say to us today is this, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You know, I think sometimes we, we get this idea that that Mary was uh, that there was just something uh, otherworldly about her that she was uniquely uh, just she was she was just this candidate to to carry Jesus that that uh, that, that she attained to a level of perfection that no one had and that God chose her because of that but the reality is that's not true see there wasn't really anything special about Mary as opposed to other people she had certainly earned uh, God, God looked on her uh, with favor, but it's not that she had earned his favor. She didn't set out in her life to say, I'm going to win the favor of God. See this idea that God had found favor with her speaks more about God than it does about Mary because she, she didn't have anything to offer, but, but, but God chooses the father chooses Mary and looks on her with favor. He chooses her, and because Jesus was born through this humble servant, through this this young virgin who would say yes to the Lord, to do his will. I love those words that she says. May it be to me as you have said. She humbles herself before God and says, do in my life what you need to do. And because Jesus is born into this world, Through his life, you and me now find favor with God. Okay, so let me back up a little second, a second. She's afraid, and the angel says, don't be afraid, you found favor. Maybe you're feeling fear. Maybe there's fear in your life. And and, and this, just don't be afraid, uh, isn't just because I can muster up some kind of faith. No, it's because I know this, I belong to God. You belong to the Father. You have found favor with God. In the same way that Mary found favor, you have found favor. And it's because of the life of Jesus that God considers us because of his Son. He looks favorably on you. Jesus says in John 16 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble but take heart. I have overcome the world. There are so many things that can trouble us. There are so many things that we can be anxious and afraid about. So many things that can weigh us down. But Jesus says, I have come to be your peace. I have come that you may have peace. This world is going to be filled with trouble. Isn't that just a great verse for this year? In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Don't be afraid. I have overcome the world. And because he's overcome the world, there's this favor of God that rests on you and me. This is one of the gifts, the joys of Christmas. And then finally, Jesus is our love. Jesus is our love. John 15, 9, first part of that verse says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. That God sent his Son into the world because he loved us, that Jesus came because he loves us. See, we are loved by the father and we are loved by the son. This is the greatness and the the mystery and the extravagance of God's love. When we look at that, at that, that cave where Jesus was born in that insignificant town in a time in history that was extremely difficult in the midst of lives that were disrupted and things were turned upside down we remember this all of it happened because of jesus's love for us and his love will never fail his love will never cease his love is consistent it's the thing that drives him it's the thing that 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 causes him to extend himself to us And we get to be the recipients of the lavish, extravagant, amazing love of God. Jesus is our love. So amazing, church. So amazing to consider all that God has done for us. As we look at the story of the birth of Jesus, the way it happened, the circumstances around it, we are reminded about how much God loves us that he loves you, he cares about you, he is with you, he's present with you, he can, he can empathize with what you're going through, that he is present with you. My hope for you this Christmas is that you would receive that, that you would be reminded of it, that the power of the Holy Spirit, just as it did just as he did with Elizabeth, would overshadow and overcome you and overwhelm your life, that you would be filled, that your home would be filled. And those places where maybe you're feeling this doubt or fear, those places maybe where the uncertainty of this time has, has maybe ca- caused you to feel unstable and not sure, that you would remember what God has done for you that you would remember his great love for you, the joy and the hope and the peace that Jesus brings and that you would be encouraged. Let's pray as we close. Jesus, we thank you that you are our peace, that you are our joy, that you are our hope, that you are our love and that all of these things are expressed, Lord, through your birth, your decision to come into this world. And we receive all of those things this week. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the trouble, in the midst of everything going on, Lord, that we would keep our eyes firmly fixed on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to encourage you, if you are listening to the service today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to make that decision today. If if you've never asked him to be your Lord. Would you pray this prayer with me right now? Would you just say, Jesus, I receive you to be my Lord, my Savior, my King. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I turn to follow you. I repent of all that I've done wrong. Lord, I receive your love. I receive your hope. I receive your joy and your peace and commit to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you made that decision today, would you please let us know by sending us an email at uh, prayer at ThriveLandora.org or you can click on the the connect card button uh, right there on the screen. And we would just love to follow up with you. Church, I love you. Have an amazing week as you celebrate Christmas. Join us for a Christmas Eve service at 5 p.m. on the 24th. We'd love to see you. Uh, Go to thriveglendore.org to get the Zoom link and the Zoom information, and we'll see you there. Have a blessed week.